0: Welcome to another edition of Talking Flutes with me, Claire Southworth. Today I'm answering some more of your questions. There are two that need quite long answers. The first is from Adam in Birmingham, England. And he asks, what's the difference between a student flute and a professional one? Can a top player sound the same on any flute? Also, apart from getting an extra note, why have a B foot? And the second question is from David in St. Louis, America. Flute gadgets and gizmos. What are your thoughts about all the attachments and extras that are now appearing and should we as flutists be embracing them as there seems to be a lot of cynicism around? So thanks very much for your questions. There are so many different metals, gadgets, gizmos and add-ons around which can make it very confusing for flutists. I'm going to try and talk about as many as possible but remember this is only my personal opinion although based on many years of experience. The areas that I'll talk about are different flute materials, add-ons to help hand positions, add-ons to enhance sound quality, and gizmos to facilitate technique. Let's start then with materials. There are many, nickel silver, silver, gold, platinum, and wood. There are other metals or alloys, An alloy uses a combination of metals which are bonded together and all have their own unique sounds. There are other combinations. For example, nickel-silver, which surprisingly doesn't contain any silver. It is an alloy of copper, zinc and nickel. Many student flutes are made of nickel-silver because it's cheap, but this doesn't necessarily mean inferior. There are many fabulous old French flutes around that are made of alloys, using very little silver. Albert Cooper once said, it's not the material, it's the craftsmanship. The next step up is the silver-plated flute. This helps a little with sound quality and that's debatable. Generally, it is the quality of the head joint which influences the tone production. Intermediate flutes often have silver head joints. Again, this helps with tone production. The more expensive the material, the more care has to be taken to produce it and so it sounds better. Silver flutes come in various guises, some solid others with nickel-silver keywork to help keep the cost down. Then we move into the expensive market, gold and platinum. The biggest difference here is price. These flutes are handmade and so the craftsmanship is better. I often hear that gold flutes sound warm and platinum flutes have a darker, more penetrating sound. I play a platinum flute and I tried many gold flutes before picking my platinum. Personally, I found the gold flutes, although they sounded beautiful, they also felt restrictive in tonal colours and projection, for me. The platinum offered a rich palette of colours, vast dynamic range and the ability to project in different acoustics. There are also many other combinations of metals, including platinum or gold plated. And let's not forget wooden flutes, which have a unique sound all of their own. The best guideline to remember is that generally, the better the quality of the metal or wood used, and the better the manufacturer or craftsman, the better the flute. Expensive metals don't result in great instruments unless the maker knows what they're doing, and expensive metals don't mean that you sound better, not unless you have the technique. So the easy answer, as to the difference between a student and professional flute, is price. And in answer to Adam, then, the other difference between student flutes and professional flutes is not just the metal, but more importantly, the craftsmanship. A professional flute will only sound good when someone has the skills to make it work, much like golf clubs, I find. I remember that Julius Baker sounded wonderful on any flute, as does Sir James Galway. Emmanuel Powell regularly demonstrates in masterclasses and on the student's own flute, not his own, and he sounds equally wonderful on all of them. I recorded all the duets for Kickstart Flute, my online beginner book, playing a Trevor James 10x starter flute. I had to practice lots to find the sounds and colours and feel comfortable, but if you take a moment to listen, I don't think you'd guess which flute I was playing. The head joint has the greatest impact on tonal quality, and an easy upgrade is to change your head joint. It's interesting that no two head joints are the same, even when made by the same manufacturer using the same metals. A hand-cut head joint will have had a lot more care than a mass-produced one, so generally you get better quality with hand-cut ones. Another area to consider is the riser on the head joint. This is where the lip plate is joined to the head joint. Different risers affect the sound quality, and precious metal risers offer more resistance, which helps tone production. The best device with all these variables is to buy the best quality that you can afford and try everything. Although one of the best head joints I own is an old French one made out of nickel silver. Try everything on offer with head joints and remember to test ease of use with respect to response, dynamics, low register, high register, intonation and of articulation. Let's move on to David's question about gadgets and gizmos. There are quite a few and they all cost more money. Firstly, low B. In England, the majority of flutes are with a C foot joint, but certainly in the States, B foot is common. The main difference is in the extra price and weight of a B foot joint. Yes, it adds an extra note, but there's not much call for a low B in much of the recognised standard flute literature. The extra length with a low B makes the third octave, especially top C, more difficult to play, so B-foot joints have an added gizmo key to help the top C speak more easily. If you play a lot of contemporary music then the B-foot is essential as it gives many more fingering options for multiphonics and the the note low B is more frequently used. The C-sharp trill key is a very useful addition. The name can be confusing. It gives an alternate fingering for trilling B to C-sharp using the first finger of the right hand rather than the very awkward left hand, thumb and first finger moving together. There are also many other beneficial fingerings available to help in the third octave. So if you can, have a C-sharp key, Split E mechanism is another addition, which can be extremely useful for making top E speak more easily. A cheaper alternative is the high E facilitator, which is a donut-shaped ring inserted into the lower G tone hole. My only reservation about the doughnut ring is that it does affect the intonation of the note A. One way to avoid the problems of choosing split E or no split E is to play an open G-sharp flute, as I do. This is the original Boehm system and works acoustically so that there is no need for extra help with top E. It is also lighter and more logical to play. The G-sharp note is played using three fingers of the left hand. The little finger closes the G-sharp key to play G and then stays down for all notes below G. Moving on to crowns. Flute crowns are at the end of the head joint and are often attached to the stopper inside the head joint. No one is quite sure why changing the crown and stopper makes a difference, but it does influence the sound and response. The change can be positive or negative. They can be very decorative in design and be made from different materials, including wood. Let's move on to add-ons, which help facilitate playing. One very cheap accessory, which I regularly use, is the Yamaha lip plate patches. These are wonderful in hot concert halls if your chin gets sweaty. The patch sticks onto the lip plate and stops any slipping. Easy to use and easy to change without any damage to your flute. If you have problems with cramp or aches in the left hand, there is the Bow pep This is moulded so it clips onto the flute where the base of your left hand first finger rests. It can help with hand position and can help release the pressure on the left hand. There are also devices to help the right hand thumb, the thumb port or the thumbelina. These help to keep the flute in balance, stopping the flute from slipping and helping release tension which should free up the fingers. I personally don't use either of these add-ons but if you have problems with tension try them out and see if it works for you. There is a new gadget which has been causing some controversy over the last few years, the Le Freak sound bridge. This consists of two metal plates connected to your flute using a specially developed elastic band. It is positioned where the head joint connects to the main body. There are also sound bridges for the foot joint and top of the head joint. The promise is that this will make you sound better. I am very wary of these sorts of claims. Each individual needs to make up their own minds about whether any particular gadget works for them. But I also believe that it is important for students to learn how to develop their tone production without gadgets. To find their own individual sound, develop all the embouchure muscles needed to create dynamics, tone colours and control intonation. Not to go looking for easy remedies without putting in the hours of practice needed. I did try the Lafrique Bridge and it did make a difference to the sound, which was basically more consistent throughout the range. But I also found that it restricted my ability to change colours, more monochrome than multicoloured. I can see that it could be useful in orchestras, but I would never use them for solo performances because of this restriction. I would also not encourage my students to use them until they had fully explored how to develop and control their sound. I think it would be irresponsible in my role as professor to encourage the use of them. Each player has to learn that to achieve a varied and beautiful tone requires hours and hours of practice. There is no quick fix by adding a gadget. Now, one very useful gadget I do use is a flute flag. This is a cleaning tool to wipe out your flute after playing. It uses an absorbent microfiber cloth and is long enough to use without taking your flute apart. There's also a piccolo version. They're much easier to use than a standard cleaning rod and cloth. Two things I've not mentioned are open holes and the Brugger system. Most starter flutes have closed holes, but I would strongly recommend buying open hold for your step up flute. Open holes encourages better hand positions and better finger movement. And as you play more advanced music, they give you the ability to use different fingerings and so create different effects. The Brugger system, was designed by Johann Brugger and first featured on the Brannan flutes. His latest design is used exclusively on the Miyazawa flutes and includes the new Brugger thumb key. Basically, it's a pinless mechanism, which helps the overall stability of the keys on the flute. It adjusts and balances the spring tension of each individual key. As a player, the mechanism feels very even, stable and responsive, which then enhances your general technique. I've played a Brugger system, Mia for many years and love the confidence that the system gives. Well, I think that's quite a lot of information to take in for one podcast. I'm sure I've missed other innovations but wanted to talk about the main ones around. If you have questions or suggestions, do write to me at flutepodcasts at gmail.com. Next time, I will talk about interpretation and performance tips for Donizetti's Sonata in C. So if you have the music, search it out in readiness. Until then, goodbye from me. Talking Flutes and Talking Flutes Extra are podcast productions by the Trevor James Flute Company. For more information, visit trevorjamesflutes.com